Welcome back to Nightfalls, the bedtime show of classic and original stories designed to guide you into a calm and peaceful sleep. I'm Jeffrey Newland, and tonight I'd like to tell you about a cozy Halloween I spent here in Nightfalls with my friends. Though pumpkin carving differed little from my memories of childhood, trick or treating is vastly different when you have no treats to give and magic in the air waiting to be wielded for trickery. Before we begin, here's a quick word from our valued sponsors who keep this free content possible. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two tabs on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. The oranges of autumn had flourished across the clearing, crisping up the leaves nicely by the time Halloween had rolled around. The earth had begun to harden, and the nights had grown longer again. Darkness bloomed across the sky as early as six o'clock and didn't relent until gone eight o'clock the next morning. I couldn't complain. Long winter's nights generally meant a long night's sleep and cosy evenings tucked up with a book. Once more, my friends and I had taken to crowding around the campfire and, as that particular autumn swept through nightfalls, 
I noticed that there were far more faces shining bright by the firelight each night than there had been the season prior. I was glad to have gotten my practice in the previous year, when only a few friendly faces waited around the campfire for me to recite my tales. The hours of weaving stories together for my friends came in handy that autumn. As winter threatened its first frost, Circe, the nymphs, and the animals that had been too nervous to make themselves known in the clearing the winter prior, began to gather by the warming flames in the hopes of a tale or two to send them to sleep. I knew the magic of nightfalls listened in, for it had told me as much, but some evenings I thought I could even feel the forest itself craning towards the campfire, leaning in a little closer with every branch and blossom beating its breath as my stories came to a head. There wasn't much that would grow in autumn, even in nightfall's rich soil. Although the other crops had failed, the sugar snap peas had yet to come through, and it would be months before my tomato plants began to offer up ripe red fruit again. The pumpkins had, rather predictably, flourished along with the fall. I had planted them along the outside of my orchard as the seasons changed, and when my good friends finally came to crowd around the campfire on All Hallows' Eve, I had them follow me over to the pumpkin patch and pick their own. I asked my friends to pick out a pumpkin they liked the look of, but hadn't considered that pumpkin carving is a distinctly human tradition. I fielded some rather odd looks from the water nymphs, Anwin and Rhea, who found it hard to discern why it would be important to like a pumpkin in the first place. As two dozen of us lugged two dozen pumpkins back to the campfire, I overheard Luna, a nymph I came to know the summer prior, asking Devani what recipe I could possibly be preparing that would require more than twenty pumpkins. When we arrived back at the campfire, Devani explained that we would in fact be carving the pumpkins and earned us even more puzzled looks. She offered to do a demonstration, scooping out the inside of her pumpkin and setting it to the side expertly, before showing our guests how to cut away bits of pumpkin to create a face or shape. Though I'm sure she did a stellar job, I can't say I was able to remain too focused on her explanation that evening, for my eyes were drawn to the family of red squirrels that scurried over to the pumpkin innards Devani had set aside, and begun to diligently pack the seeds and fruit skin into the pouches in their cheeks. 
The older creatures did their best to encourage the little ones to store away as much of the pumpkin as possible, and when there was none left on the forest floor, they shuffled away from the fireside and came to sit together beside my ankles. When Devani placed a lit candle inside her pumpkin and twisted it to face the crowd of waiting faces, our friends applauded her. As the rest of us set to carving our pumpkins, all manner of creatures that had sat back behind the ankles and legs of my friends began to come forward through the crowd and hoover up the pumpkin offcuts. No doubt, Halloween was beginning to seem rather a lot like Christmas Day to Nightfall's wildlife. Even the ducklings waddled from the lake for the first time, having grown a little bigger since spring and summer. They no longer followed their mother in a perfect line. Now they charged ahead. I couldn't pinpoint exactly when they had stopped being the same soft yellow as the spring sun they were born beneath. But by October, they boasted fresh feathers and a plucky confidence they were busy growing into, along with their new coats. The hedgehogs, I scarcely caught sight of, tottered out of the shadows and did their best not to catch their spikes on anything as they wove through the crowd toward the mountain of sweet pumpkin that was piling up beside the campfire. The fawn I suspected Otto had known since he was a pup looked rather more like a stag now, and I watched out of the corner of my eye as he playfully nudged Otto in the head, framing the dog's ears with his new antlers. I got the sense Otto was rather chagrined to find his friend had undergone such a growth spurt. No doubt my dog would spend the rest of winter waiting in vain for his own antlers to come in. Otto might not have been particularly big in stature, but he had always been brave of heart, and I would make sure to remind him of it before he fell asleep on my toes again that evening. Looking out at Lyra's pumpkin carving, I got the sense that this wasn't her first rodeo. She was carefully etching out the perfect silhouette of a cat against a shining full moon. I felt Devani's competitive edge fizzing beside me. as She took up the pumpkin she had carved as a demonstration and began to refine her work. I too bristled a little more than I had expected to and doubled down on my efforts to carve out a bat soaring across a starry night sky. Anwin and Rhea were in a world of their own as they indulged in the distinctly human tradition 
I imagined it helped Rhea to feel perhaps a little closer to her father, Arthur, a human man who had chosen a life beneath the surface of the lake with Anwen. I hadn't met Arthur too many times before that evening, but had noticed him spending more and more time out of the water and on the banks of the lake with my friends and I. I made a mental note to call on him sometime, or ask him to take a walk across the mountains with me. When we were satisfied with our pumpkin carvings, we set them aside to dry with the little candles burning inside. We lined them up around the campfire, and when we stepped away, I thought they looked rather like the perfect pictures I'd seen in magazines and movies of Halloween celebrations in the USA. Halloween had been celebrated a little at home and in school, but it had never been such a big event as it seemed to be in the States. I always lamented the lacklustre Scottish approach to Halloween, for as a young boy, I never needed to be asked twice to don a cape, a mask, or a wig of some sort and begin masquerading as the nefarious characters from my favourite books. I had, in fact, spent much of my youth seeking out any and every opportunity I could to do just that. With the entire group adamant that young Rhea had created the best pumpkin carving, Lyra presented her with a little gold ribbon and pinned it to her lapel. Rhea beamed up at Anwin, making sure her mother had seen her greatest success to date. I followed the girl's line of sight and caught Anwen looking so blinded by love for her daughter that I wouldn't have been surprised if she really did think Rhea, who had only managed to carve one eye, a wonky nose that may well have been intended as the second eye, and who had poked a hole in the pumpkin in the place of a mouth, had indeed created the greatest pumpkin carving. I had to hand it to Rhea, though I very much doubted it had been her intention. Her carving was certainly the scariest to look at. What else do you get up to on Halloween? One of the nymphs asked. Well, there's trick-or-treating, I suggested. What's that? Circe asked, and I was rather surprised to find that there was something the all-knowing ancient enchantress wasn't aware of. We go around the houses in our neighbourhood knocking on doors, I began. When our neighbours open up their doors, we all shout out, trick or treat, in our Halloween costumes, and then they hand out chocolate or sweets, or sometimes two pence pieces. If they don't offer anything, then you're supposed to trick them. Not that any of my friends or I ever would have dared to. Generally, we just scurried along to the next house. I suppose trick-or-treating might look rather different here, 
Devani laughed. None of us have front doors. I've no access to chocolates or candy, and no need for two-pence pieces. The only thing we do have is the capacity to play tricks. Real ones. Magic ones. Then perhaps that's how we ought to honor this All Hallows' Eve. Lyra piped up. Because of the way the planets are aligned, it's the best night of the year to cast difficult enchantments. The moon is as close to us as ever, and the night is clear. If there is anything you're fearful of casting, that you think perhaps you haven't the strength to pull off, then tonight is the night to summon your strength and try it. Lyra instructed. Devani didn't have to explain herself. In the light in her eyes, I could already make out the soft edges of an idea taking shape. The nymphs did their best to impress Rhea with all manner of magic tricks, from making fish jump from the lake to creating great fountains of spewing water that tunneled up into the night sky. Luna did her best to warp the flow of the waterfall and managed to part the cascading water just enough that we could all see the cave behind the falls. Circe sat quietly beside the campfire. With her mind's eye, she intricately drew out the shapes of animals predating myself and Devani by some centuries. She used the flickering flames as her paint. Saber-toothed tigers, woolly mammoths, and even pterodactyls prowled and flew through the flames that night. Circe treated magic as though it were an art form, and after thousands of years of honing her craft, she was undoubtedly one of the greats. She had no time for cheap tricks, flair, or showboating. Circe worked quietly and always in great detail. It was as though her mind were the pointed tip of a paintbrush, and the raw magic she worked with was the finest of oil paints. As night drew in, Rhea came to rest beside Cersei at the fireside, taking up a seat between a badger and a family of hedgehogs that had curled into balls and drifted off to sleep after gorging themselves on pumpkin. The ancient animals that took shape in the firelight were reflected in Rhea's wide eyes and shone brighter and brighter, prowling across her irises as they clouded over with the need for sleep. With a smile quirking at the corner of her lips, Circe warped the flame so it appeared, just for an instance, as though a tiger were preparing to leap from the flames towards its audience. Engrossed in the images that danced through the flames, Rhea leaped back from Anwin's legs for protection, and the squirrels scurried behind the bigger badgers. Just as quickly as the shapes had twisted themselves into the flames, they disappeared from the fire 
and a plume of smoke. Rhea had rather liked the Enchantress's trick. That much was clear in her beaming smile. Circe ruffled her hair and promised to teach her how to make her own images in the fire when she was older, before she wandered off to join the nymphs in the lake. In all the excitement, I hadn't noticed Devani taking herself off to a quiet corner of the clearing. True to form, however, the space she occupied didn't stay quiet for long. Devani had a unique talent for creating organized chaos wherever she went. Thankfully, I'd always found her brand of the semi-controlled disarray to be rather relaxing. Devani was very much a storm I wanted to be caught up in, and there was no ignoring the breeze that kicked up across the clearing as she began to call her power back to her body. The breeze kicked up the browning fallen leaves and cast ripples on the surface of the lake that rolled and rolled until the beginnings of a wave began to crash against its sandy, built-up banks. The wind swept round and round until it even swept up Devani herself. I watched on with awe as the clearing fell quiet around us. All other mischief ground to a halt as Devani took to the skies without her kite for the first time. Magic thickened the air, perhaps even helping her stay suspended up there amongst the stars. I felt all the potential power in the mountains gravitating towards her, sliding over the hillsides and swelling in the skies above us as she continued to float effortlessly through the night. Devani became the kite she had so often flown across the mountaintops with. She opened out her arms and, trusting that the magic of nightfalls would always catch her, soared through the stars, carving effortlessly through the air as though it were water. I could see her smiling even from up amongst the stars, her joy was palpable and catching. The nymphs roared at her success, splashing water into the air with their arms as she flew above them, beaming from ear to ear. Flight came so naturally to Devani that it seemed almost as though she belonged in the skies, like the moon like all the brightest stars, like the birds themselves. I couldn't imagine it was my place to be proud of her, but if it counted for anything, then I was. I was honoured to be the person who got to stand beside her and watch her chase down her dreams. When the winds finally settled, and Devani drifted softly back down to earth. I marked the stillness in the world around me all the more. Devani released a breath I don't think she knew she had been holding in. 
and when it was clear that all was well with her, sumptuous applause erupted from all around. The birds dove from the cliff tops and soared through the air in celebration, and I pulled her into my arms, half thrilled for her to have seen her soaring so high through the skies, half relieved to have her safely back before me on land. Later that night, when the festivities had come to a close, our friends had trickled home in dribs and drabs, and the woodland life had ambled back to their respective burrows to begin preparing for hibernation. Devani and I stretched out beside one another on the beach. The dinner plates were washed and set out to dry. The leftover pumpkin had been stored away to make curry the next day. All evidence of our revelry had been tidied up. Just as quickly as summer had settled upon the clearing, the autumn breeze had swept in and made itself known, rustling the leaves that clung to the trees and carrying a chill across the mountains. I pulled Devani into my chest, tucked one of Lyra's hand-knitted blankets a little tighter around us, and after a short while spent bickering about which spell might be best to cast, we finally settled on a warming enchantment to keep us cosy through the night. Owing to Devani's capacity to transform into a furnace at 2am most mornings, and my propensity to get cold feet in the night, we often quarrelled over which sort of spell might be best to wrap around us in the evening hours. As we drifted off to sleep, couldn't help but imagine the endless possibilities and boundless reach of the raw magic that rolled off of Nightfall's hillsides. Together, we settled in for deep dreams, and I breathed easy beside the brightest star that I had ever seen take to the skies. Exhausted from her maiden flight, Devani found sleep easily, and I lay awake beside her for a while, listening to the soft sound of her breath drifting ever so easily in and out above the sound of the waterfall and the steady chirp of the crickets in the thicket. The closer I listened, the more I became convinced that underneath it all, I could just faintly hear the hum of Nightfall's magic still clinging to her as she slept, ready to catch her if she ever needed.